You're listening to the Market Leaders Podcast, brought to you by Pipeline Plus. Professional service firms use Pipeline Plus to capture more business from their most important clients, prospects, and referral sources. Pipeline Plus delivers the simplest interface in the marketplace and in-app suggestions on exactly which actions to take to close the next deal. It's used as a standalone app in conjunction with business development coaching or as a CRM companion for more effective sales pipeline management. To learn more or schedule a demo, visit pipelineplus.com. Welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today our guest is Mitch Reno, a principal and the director of client experience at Raymond. Mitch, great to have you with us. Great to be here, David. So, Mitch, you wanted to talk to us about client experience, and I am eager to dive into that topic. But first, I was wondering if you could just give us some background on yourself. Absolutely. I've really been working in the the world of uh, professional services at accounting and wealth management uh, firms for about 22 years now. Before that, I worked in hospitality and a little bit in manufacturing for uh, about four or five years. And I've really found a passion for client experience and focusing on how firms can grow by focusing on on the needs of the client. Before getting involved deeply and entrenching myself in client experience, I was the chief marketing and sales officer at our firm. And so the transition from chief marketing and sales officer to client experience, talk to us a little bit about that. How did that happen? You know, for me, I became more and more immersed in trying to understand how you build a brand at a professional service organization. And I'd always been committed to the idea that a brand isn't advertisements and messages from professional service firms, although organizations certainly have to do that and build messaging uh, in the marketplace. But in fact, that at a professional service organization, a brand is built in every interaction that our professionals have with our clients. Those are the foundation, a solid brand in any given market, in any given industry. And so as I began to study that more and more and wanted to have a bigger impact on that, I realized I had to really reshape what my work was going to be. And I, at one point I thought, you know, I, I think this is really about experience. This is about creating that connection between human beings and and creating outcomes through that collaboration. So one afternoon after I thought that I'm going to, I'm going to start just saying I work in client experience. I turned to my computer and I typed in the words client experience into my friend Google and my friend Google informed me that there was a whole world of, of customer experience activities, but Frankly, the B2B and the professional services environment had really not been catching up. That was probably a decade ago. And I recognized, boy, we as a profession need to dust off uh, our old best practices and really start focusing on probably what's a far more natural way to build our brands and build our business. So talk to me a little bit about scope. How large is Riemann? How many client experiences are we talking about here in terms of you getting your arms around this endeavor at your firm? Well, on any given day, we have probably upwards of 32,000 clients that are having any uh, number of interactions with 
with our company. So we're about 80% B2B and about 20% B2C or business to consumer. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've got a, a quite a bit of variety in the types of interactions that we have with our client base, as well as, as variety within the industries uh, that we serve. So we work anywhere from government and public sectors with higher education and schools, all the way over to privately held uh, businesses with families, over to working with individuals and high net worth families. So we have a huge variety in the type of work that we do. But we find that variety in the small to mid-size marketplace, a great place for us as an organization since we started our business in Michigan. And we're probably comfortable saying we're a great main street company that has the ability to go into big markets and and make some big things happen because of technical expertise that we brought on board, bring to life a comprehensive experience for our clients. You know, I was in a room a few weeks ago with managing partners and the topic of client service really came up. And the question was, how many of you would say that your firm delivers excellent client service? And all the hands went up, right? Everybody acknowledged, of course, that's one of the things that we really pride ourselves on. And then the follow-up question was, how many of you have documented standards of excellence for these services that you deliver? And almost none of them had that, right? So there was this, oh yeah, the client experience at our firm is fantastic, but none of them could really put their finger on where that starts, where that ends. A lot of it was, well, it's just common sense or well, people just kind of pick it up by osmosis. So it seems like one of these things that really does warrant having some leadership, having some structure, and ultimately having a vision that gets fulfilled upon. Because to your point, at a professional services firm, it is the service that we are selling, and that service creates an experience for the client. Now, I am not an expert in this as you are. I'd love to hear your definition of what is CX as it pertains to a professional services firm context. Thank you for asking that question, because I think it's a great starting point. And honestly, I don't think client experience is client service. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a a firm can have a strong client service philosophy, approach, and good business standards that fit into a client experience program, and that's one part of it. But I would hope that the listeners of the podcast today would be thinking of client experience as every touch every moment that your clients have with your organization. So not just limited to service, not just limited to service. Um, absolutely. And, and so I want, I want you to think of that from the standpoint of the human interactions that they might have, the digital interactions, all of the administrative, the physical interactions with, within facilities. I want those revenue touch points, whether it's a quoting process or invoicing process, any of those moments that can create friction or create joy and happiness with clients, all of those accumulate to create a client experience that is measured in a number of different ways by different organizations. So 
I think for your listeners today, I think what's important is to think about the entire client journey. So I know it's a broad way to think about client experience, but it honestly is the first moment that they are aware that you exist as an organization that they might do business with. Through that entire awareness phase, all the touch points of that awareness, and then at one point they think, I might want to hire those fine people. And that begins a selection process that they go through. So we go through awareness, then we go through a selection process and they say, oh my gosh, you folks are, are the people we should be working with, the business, the, the choice that we should be making. And then they go through an onboarding process. All of that has accumulated to the point before we've even begun to work with them. That's right. And then we have the opportunity of deploying some of our best practices to deliver exceptional results to them through a service delivery process that we hope many times is iterative and repeats itself over and over across time. And then there is sometimes an offboarding process. We have onboarding and we have offboarding processes. So I like that five segment cycle of selection, awareness, onboarding, service, and offboarding is thinking of that entire life cycle and all of those moments and all of those touches and interactions that we have that build to a cumulative understanding of that's what my experience is of working with Raymond. Yes. So why are professional services firms focusing on CX now? As you mentioned, customer service is something that has been around for a long time. But now professional services firms are starting to acknowledge, oh, there's client service. And that's something that we also need to start to adopt. Absolutely. I think we're seeing a lot of the experience phenomenon out in the business to consumer marketplace. I think with professional service firms, they're just in the last five to eight years really begin to opening their eyes to this idea that, hey, we need to focus more on a way to differentiate our business from our competitors. And this concept of building engineering, creating a better experience that can be replicated and actually build a better brand in the marketplace is a very strong way to create a differentiated brand that in many cases, people will pay more for. One of the challenges that I know a lot of professional services firms have, and I have this conversation primarily through the marketing lens, but you know, a partner at Raymond today may end up being a partner at another firm tomorrow. And so how do you ultimately get your arms around and manage a client experience when the parts of that whole are ultimately very individual, not necessarily all that adaptable, and don't really, at the end of the day, view themselves as an extension of a brand or an extension of a firm, sure, it's the logo on their business card, but at the end of the day, that logo could change tomorrow. Absolutely. It's interesting. Professional service firms are different than corporations. Yeah. We have an owner group and we have a, a group of leaders, some many times outside of that owner group, who many might you know describe as wildcats trying to 
to somehow be herded and that's right. into a common direction, right? So uh, that is a big challenge because many people within their careers have grown up doing things a certain way. It's made them successful. They're used to doing them that way. And that's what they're comfortable doing on a day-to-day basis. In my role as a client experience executive is I, I do a few different things. I start by listening to the client and to the associates that work within the firm. So I want to understand how the clients describe the experience. I want to understand how the associates that do the work describe the experience. I want to see those overlaps. I want to understand that across the entire journey that they have. What's it like to see Raymond as a prospect in the marketplace and and begin interacting with us? What's it like to go through the process of choosing us? What was the onboarding process like? And what were the positives and and negatives about that process? Where can it be improved? And then the real core, the meat, finally we get to the dinner table. What's it like to go through a cycle of having your audit done or going through a business valuation or working with a tax and wealth advisory team to build a comprehensive financial plan for you and your family? Let's begin to dig in and map out what those experiences are. And by listening to clients and listening to our employees, we're able to identify friction points and moments of opportunity where we can not just try to do a better job, but we can engineer the experience to create the better outcome. We can take that re-engineered experience We can make it replicable. We can train people. We can guide everyone in doing something in a more consistent way that delivers more consistent results. And what are we doing in that process? We're building an external brand that isn't built on messages where everybody raises their hand in a room and says, we all provide great service. But instead, you're building a brand on people in the marketplace saying, wow, When you work with Raymond, here's what happens and here's what the outcomes are that make it a better choice. There is so much to unpack there, but one of the things that I really want to highlight is that you start with interviews, client-facing interviews, internal-facing interviews. And I think historically, firms have really dropped that ball. There's been this attitude of, we don't want to kick the bear, right? I mean, as long as clients aren't firing us, they must adore us. And as long as people aren't leaving the firm, they must be happy. And there's a big leap between the truth of the matter and the nuances of an experience, whether that's the client experience or in your other example, an employee experience, and a fulfilled employee or client of the firm. Absolutely. Let's face it, today, whether it's attorneys, accountants, whatever it's going to be in a professional service environment, it's going to be the rare case where you go out to the club and have somebody bad-mouthing somebody and driving them into the ground. It's just not professionally acceptable. Now, there there are exceptions to that, and, and people earn those exceptions, right? But but the challenge in all of the listening efforts is that people don't want to say, as a business 
professional and you're a business professional, I'm not in love with the work that you're doing. So what happens is, is by the time a relationship in the professional services arena begins to break, a lot has been added, the the negative experience side before the relationship actually dissolves. And, And at that point, many times it's beyond repair. So the power of listening has to to be raised a level. You need to do focus groups with clients. You need to do individual surveys. You need to do personal interviews. You need to be listening in ways aggressively that you haven't been doing before to find the small places where you can make improvements. And that's what I love about client experience is because when you start doing client journey mapping with clients and say, well, hey, you've been with us for three years. Let's just map out what your experiences looked like and tell us what happened here and here and here. And it's a really comfortable environment. And they've got a few other clients that may be involved in the process that are sharing as well. When they all start talking and start saying, oh, yeah, but you could have done that better. And they say, oh, gosh, John, John, you know, I was just waiting and begging for you to ask me for the sale, but it took till the third meeting until you actually asked me for the sale. And I was ready to buy in the, at the first moment, but, but you weren't comfortable asking. I could just tell. You had um, me at hello. <laughs> yeah. And so it's so critical in professional services firms that we dig deeper because in most cases in professional services, It's not considered good business etiquette to challenge openly a relationship. Well, and it all starts with the humility, the willingness to acknowledge that perhaps we are not perfect. Perhaps we haven't figured it all out. And that's very difficult for highly educated advisors to acknowledge many times, right? So if you can start with the, look, we're great, but we could be better position, then you actually have some room for this client experience endeavor. Years ago, our chief executive officer at that time, Steve Kelly, taught me a great question to ask clients that leads right into what you're saying. And it really is to make it easy on the clients. He said his favorite question to ask was, what are we doing pretty well right now that you think we could be doing better? Yeah, that's great. So making it safe for the client not to challenge you or offend you, but to say, let's work together to understand what can be improved. And that's ultimately when we talk about client experience, we're talking about trying to engineer better outcomes. And those outcomes aren't just in the final result. Outcomes happen, as I said earlier, with every touch point. Sometimes it's, oh my gosh, those forms that you're asking me to go onto the website and fill out in that portal, they're too complicated and difficult and the technology was cumbersome. Or or maybe it's, gosh, whenever I try to call and get a hold of somebody, I always get have to leave a, a message. I can never talk with a person. All of those small little things begin to add up into what people say the relationship and the experience is. Yeah, and those are all vulnerabilities that a competitor can leverage to switch the client over to another provider. That's exactly the truth. And I said at the beginning of the conversation, why would people want to focus on client experience? Well, 
if you're committed to engineering something that's better for your clients and your employees, imagine improving retention of your workforce. And in, in the world of CPAs, there are a few firms that have an annual retention rate above 85%. Yeah. Okay. Few firms. We were at 89% last year. And I talked to many firms who were under 80% in -hmm. their retention rate of employees. And then if you look at retention of clients, if you can improve retention of associates and retention of your client base and create better experiences and an ability to expand and broaden those relationships, you will impact the top and bottom line so fast within your organization, it'll be hard to keep up. That's right. That's absolutely right. Okay. So I have a question for you. You've gone, I imagine, many times through the process of interviewing associates, interviewing clients, asking them what I imagine is a a set list of questions, right? There are certain kind of go-to questions so you can get a baseline. And can you share with us maybe something that you were doing pretty well that you learned you could be doing better and what you did with that information? We felt very good when we were began our process of a digital transformation project a number of years ago, about 2000. Yeah, before before the pandemic, we had we started a project to do digital transformation. And I reached out to the digital transformation team and I said, hey, guys. What if instead of trying to improve digital operations from an internal operational standpoint, what if we interviewed clients and journey mapped all the digital experience touch points that they have with our organization and figure out how we could make improvements based on their feedback? And we did that. And we went through a pretty exhaustive process of trying to listen to them, map those ideas out. And we worked with them as a client focus group, only I think eight eight different organizations, but they were committed to helping us. And through that process, we had always felt like, well, we probably do a nice job of onboarding our clients. And we discovered we probably weren't doing a great job of getting started with new clients. So we have completely redesigned from a human, from a process, and from an IT technical digital approach, how we are onboarding our clients. We have an onboarding concierge now that is introduced at the beginning of the process. They go through a defined detailed workflow to make sure that the client and the service team, the employees, are on the same page and everything's being covered properly. And they conclude the process of onboarding, bringing the client and the service team together to get the project started and to kick it off with some enthusiasm and excitement. All of that is the beauty of the human experience, the digital experience, and that process experience of engineering something that produces consistent, better results that before we listened to clients, we didn't know we needed to do. Right. So in order to responsibly run and maintain a CX function at a firm as large as Raymond, how many times in a year Do you need to run through the interview process? How many data points ultimately are you looking to collect to be able to say, ah, here's an area where 
the experience that we're delivering is falling short of our CX vision? You know, this is this is a, I'm glad you asked that question, because most people, after they have a conversation with me, they get to a point they say it's so big, Mitch, you're talking about everything here. I go back to them and I say, I am. But if you start listening to your clients and your associates, you're going to identify the painful points and the friction points. You do that listening as often as you need to, to be able to understand what the next thing is that you can improve. There's no reason to be listening aggressively every 90 days if you're not able to leverage and use that information and make appropriate improvements that are going to make a difference, right? There's, we don't need to invest in so much listening that we can't respond to it. We need to do just enough to figure out what are a couple of things that clearly these folks say would make a big difference in their experience in working with us. And if we change those things, it's going to be better for them. And then let's talk with them again and figure out what are the next few things that we need to work on and improve. Got it. So it's really embarking on continuous process improvement as informed by inputs from the clients and internally as well. It is. But I will tell you this, David, I do recommend all professional service firms on an annual basis do a relationship survey to to assess on an overall basis what's the satisfaction level. NPS is a, a likelihood to buy again or refer yeah. Um, so it's important to ask those types of questions, ease of doing business. I like to ask questions about what clients' priorities are for the coming year so that we understand those and can be responsive to them. So I think it's important to do that. I, I think it's important to do personal interviews with your top clients. And the third thing I would say is I think it's important to do some focus groups and do some of this journey mapping to say, well, tell me what it was like to hire us. Tell me what it was like to go through your last audit with us and to really listen and map those things out. Those three different activities, the overall survey listening, the individual interviews that can be done with top clients, and then the focus groups that really start to dig into sort of different segments of your business and how you need to improve with particular industries or service lines and that type of thing. I think those three combinations can really lead you down a really solid path of improving the experience. And more importantly, the reason that any business owner would want to do it is to make more money at the top and bottom lines. Right. Let me ask you one final question here, which is, I'm very familiar with NPS scoring and recognize that that's a great way to create a a quantifiable measurement of where things stand and how we can improve and trend upward over time. Are there any other quantifiable numbers that you look to capture from this, or is a lot of it really anecdotal and you're just kind of getting your arm or arms around themes that are emerging from the interviews? You know, for me, I have always looked at the NPS score as, as a, a sort of a, this trailing number that we want to understand and, and manage to. I think more and more professional service organizations, B2B businesses, are going to have to look at ease of doing business. Mm. We're going to have to do that because user experience 
on the consumer side, we are used to the world of Amazon and how I can pick my phone up and literally 90 seconds have something at my doorstep in two days that I want. Our clients are looking at us saying, okay, um, that's the type of user experience I want. And so there are a lot of challenges when we look at these things of what we're measuring. I also think it's always good to measure what impacts NPS or satisfaction. So if you give us a five-star rating or a nine NPS, why did you do that? Yeah. Was it because we were really accessible and responsive? Was it because we were proactive and innovative? Was it because we had a great value that we delivered? Was it because the quality of our work was just incredible? Those criteria are unique to any individual business. So it's probably not just the NPS score, or the satisfaction score, but in fact, asking the question, why did you say that? And figuring out what those criteria are, because those criteria are the ones that you have to act toward and behave on. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Well, Mitch, this has been a fascinating conversation. I so appreciate you sharing your expertise with us. A few war stories from the the trenches of of CX and, and learnings as well. Oh, absolutely, David. Thank you for having me on the podcast and wish you the best of luck. Today's episode was brought to you by Pipeline Plus. We solve business development problems for professionals around the world. Visit pipelineplus.com to learn more about our technology and coaching solutions.